0: Welcome to Proven Improbable, I'm your host Maurice Jackson. Today we have an exciting show for investors as we will be discussing the current state of the natural resource base. Joining us today is one of the most respected names in the natural resource base, Mickey Fulp, who is known as the mercenary geologist. Mickey, thank you for joining us today. Well thank you Maurice and thanks for the kind words. Mickey, you know, for first-time listeners, uh, please tell us about your body of work on The Mercenary Geologist and how investors can benefit from your services.
1: Yeah, uh, I run a website called mercenarygeologist.com. I opened the business. Well, I was an analyst for about a year uh, in 2007. I opened the business in April of 2008 because I wanted to start at the bottom, and I kind of saw the global economic crisis coming. And so um, I write a newsletter. It's a free subscription service. I run a sponsor model, which means companies that I am intimately involved with. I'm a major shareholder. Um, They pay to sponsor my website. I publish about twice a month, uh, not on a regular basis, but on average there are two products mercenary musings and those are general essays and topics on commodities markets macroeconomics lots of educational stuff for investors and libertarianism etc etc and the other product are my mercenary alerts which are my stock picks and those are restricted to subscribers only but it's not that hard to become a subscriber all you have to do just go to my website and below my mugshot, you click and you sign up and you give me an email address and a name. You can fake the name, but you get to give me a, a working email address and you become a subscriber and get my stock picks via email as soon as they are launched. We also uh, do a lot of video work, a lot of camera work. The camera, I love the camera and it seems to like me, so we do a lot of video work. We do... Lots of interviews, as this interview is done. Uh, we have a 24-7 streaming audio internet radio station where, uh, called Uh where my audio interviews are archived and played in rotation. And then I speak at a number of events, investment conferences, libertarian symposiums, keynote addresses at luncheons and dinners, etc., Pretty busy, average about 100 products per year.
0: Well, that's quite expansive, I must say. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, in reference to speaking engagements, I had the opportunity to meet you in Vancouver in July at uh, Capitalism and Morality, hosted by Giant Bhandari. Uh, It was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, I enjoyed your presentation. Well,
1: likewise, it was good to meet you after we've talked and exchanged emails. It's always good to put a face to... uh, uh, an, a conversation and email correspondence.
0: <laughs> well Mickey, uh, investors in the natural resource base, they truly value your insights because of your body of work because it's so you know expansive in breadth and depth. So I'd like to begin with hearing your thoughts on the current state of the natural resource base.
1: Well I think we're in the incipient times of a bull market after a five-year bear market and it's being led by gold uh... but that said all commodities have been stronger in 2016 or at least since january twentieth when most commodities and markets hit their yearly lows
0: okay now are your comments applicable both to the junior and the senior mining companies or is there a bifurcation
1: well i certainly think your point's well taken there there is a a bifurcation First of all, let me say, this is all about gold at this point. And most of these bear markets are led as the bull starts, or as markets start to turn, they're led by gold, and this is what's happening in my opinion right now. Uh, That said, the senior miners, and let's just include uh, the large, mid and small cap gold miners, have been very overbought, in my opinion, versus the juniors, explorers, and developers. So generally what we see is a trickle-down, and I think that's what's happening now. As the large, larger companies start to pull back and correct a bit, we're seeing a trickle-down effect with financings coming down to smaller and smaller companies, down to the micro and nano
0: caps. Okay, now are you convinced that we are finally out of the bear cycle in this secular bull market? No, I think it's
1: pretty tenuous right now. It reminds me a lot of what happened in 2002 when we had a run up in gold in the summer and everybody thought it was game on. It pulled back. Uh, then we had a strong gold price for about a year. It took uh, from the midsummer of 2002 to July of 2003 uh, for the bull really to start, once led again
0: led by gold. Okay. Now for the next leg up, what are some of the catalysts that investors should be looking for? Well, I think that gold needs
1: to remain strong. Uh, it's been very range bound. Uh, for the last three months or so somewhere between 1305 and 1365 it's tested very strong resistance on both ends of that Uh, so down resistance would be around 1290 1300 and the upward resistance at say 1370 to 1380 hasn't been able to get to those points so I think we want gold to remain strong uh, and we need copper and oil to move, and in particular oil, because the world runs on oil uh, as energy. Uh, but also mm-hmm. copper, because copper is what you would call a leading economic indicator, and, um, and we've seen a very depressed copper price. Both these commodities at this point have supply-demand issues. Uh, Demand continues to grow for both, but supply has overwhelmed that. It's going to take a while before that's worked off, I think.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. And price points. Are there any particular price points on copper and oil that you're looking for?
1: Well, I'd like to see a $3 price of copper. A uh, significant amount of production is not economic. at current price of, what, $215, 220 um, and for oil, I'd like to see a $60 price, because at that price, we'll start getting a bunch more drilling in the U.S. U.S. shale oil producers will come on strong. Um, you know, they're generating netbacks even at the current oil price, because as times get tough, they cut, cut their costs. But what we've seen right now, even uh, with the rebound in number of drill rigs, we're still about 25 or 30 percent of the number of rigs that we're drilling uh, in November of 2014 at the high. 1900 rigs were significantly below that still. Um, and uh, what's happening is a lot of wells, even the wells that are being drilled, are not being completed. They're basically being drilled and shut in. So $60 oil will solve that problem.
0: Thank you for sharing those insights. Um, switching gears. Give us your thoughts on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium.
1: Well this is uh, the season that we'd expect gold to increase in price. Uh, gold has a very well determined seasonality, and I've worked on that and written about that and documented that over a a forty five year period in fact, so since Nixon took us off the gold standard. Uh, We would expect gold to increase this month, and it has not to this point. Uh, We would have expected a seasonal low in July or August, and that didn't really happen. So gold is acting a little contrary to usual seasonality factors. The reason we would expect gold to increase this time of year is the Indian festival season and, and wedding season, Uh, uh, which are coming up or in effect right now and as we all know uh, India uh, has the largest demand for physical gold on earth so um, that's a bit puzzling other takes would be uh, on silver price lagging behind yet the gold silver ratio which we pay particular attention to these precious metal uh, ratios is very high at 68 some point that will normalize back down to the plus or minus 50 range. So that becomes a buying signal for silver over gold. Uh, The one that really stands out right now is platinum to gold ratio at 0.78. Its historic low is 0.75, and that's only occurred twice since 1971. In 1982 and this summer, so that price would give a very strong uh, the most bullish and strong signal for platinum uh, by that uh, you'll get in precious metals. And even the platinum-palladium ratio is, uh, is very depressed right now at 1.5. That's usually well above 2.
0: You know, when we last spoke, Mickey, in May, I think platinum was offering the best value proposition. Uh, is that still the case of the four precious metals right now?
1: Oh, absolutely. No doubt in my mind. So, when I bought uh, precious metals over the last couple of years, I've been buying uh, platinum
0: and not gold. All right, and with that being shared as well, how about the platinum junior mining companies? How do they fit into that? Uh... Well, there's
1: not very many of them, and they're not very good companies for the most part. Um, The problem is we don't have enough good platinum deposits uh, anywhere in the world except South Africa and perhaps Russia and so there is one particular company uh, run by uh, Friedland that is has a very good deposit in South Africa but from my point of view the geopolitical risk of South Africa is something I don't want to deal with so uh, there is you know it's, platinum geology is very is unique in the fact There are not very many places on the earth where you have the right kind of rocks to host attractive platinum deposits, so uh, uh, mainly from South Africa, and that's not going to change anytime soon.
0: Well, thank you for conveying that because I hear a lot of investors, uh, they inquire with me, say, hey, can you find out what's a better play? Is it better to get platinum, the bullion? Or the platinum junior mining companies, as the one you alluded to, and I think you're referring specifically to the Platte Reef there. But uh, yes, so thank you for sharing that, you know, Mickey. Please share with yeah, let,
1: let me interrupt you. Sure. Say, uh, people that confuse owning precious metals with uh, with uh, speculative precious metal stocks—that's uh, not a very good comparison. So I think we'll probably address that later on in this interview a bit more
0: well actually that was my next question to you You know please share with investors uh, the virtues of owning precious metals and how that is different from owning mining companies
1: well let's first say that gold is real money in my opinion it's been money as far back as we have written history and even further than that with I think the Sumerians Uh, first minted gold coins Uh, but gold being real money and the only real money in my opinion it serves strictly as an insurance policy uh, hedge a safe haven against financial calamity so uh, there's a saying he who owns the gold makes the rules and that's that still holds so you want to own physical gold but to protect yourself against what I consider a, hum, a humpty-dumpty economy, if you will, with negative interest rates. And negative interest rates do not work in a capitalistic economy for very long. So um, from that point of view, I own physical gold. I have it in my physical possession. Um, it's not an investment nor a speculation. As I've said, it's uh, simply a, an insurance policy, a hedge, uh against economic collapse and calamity whereas gold stocks or any kind of precious metal stocks is simply a speculation. Those aren't investments either. I mean, look at the returns of the gold companies during the time of uh, the major gold miners from the biggest bull market we've ever seen in gold from 2003 to 2013 and Uh, all those gold miners failed to reward their shareholders they basically uh, took on debt and issued equity to pay dividends and those dividends are not very big so an investment is something that you uh, you acquire because it's going to continually generate profits for you and and uh, precious metal stocks absolutely do not do that they're just pure speculation
0: Thank you for conveying that. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity there when someone that's new to the natural resource space, they believe that owning mining companies is equivalent to owning the bullion. And I share with them, uh, you do not own gold. This is a company and you're in a partnership with a company. Um, So again, thank you for conveying that because there's a lot of ambiguity there. And another thing I'd like to give you credit for as well is, you're advocating a position in precious metals, in this case, um, as you just uh, aforementioned, gold. But you, didn't, um, you, you referenced it as a, an insurance policy, policy, in essence, not that you're using it for a speculative investment that it's going to go through the roof. It has the potential to do that, but that's not what you're advocating. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Now, with that being said, how much of an allocation to precious metals do you believe is sufficient?
1: Well, as you know, I refuse to use the word belief, or believe, it's not part of my vocabulary. Mark Twain famously said, faith is believing what you know ain't so, I have no belief. But that said, I can tell you what I do, Uh, at all times I keep 10 to 20% of my net assets in physical bullion, in my physical possession. Most of that is in gold. I do own platinum, and I do own significant amounts of silver, but those latter two are basically designed uh, when, when especially silver, when the gold-silver ratio will get skewed to the other side and silver looks overbought, then what I would do would be to sell my silver and turn it into gold, which is, once again, the old only real money. And I can't emphasize enough how... Strongly, I feel that uh, a person with net assets should keep a significant amount of physical bullion in his physical possession. Um, the reason to own gold is it has no counterparty risk. If you buy an ETF, you immediate or store your gold in one of these offshore Uh, banks or holding companies or vaults uh, um, you've immediately introduced third party counterparty risk and um, that's not the reason to own gold so uh, owning an ETF a gold ETF is not owning gold because unless you are a major investor and have more than 400 ounces they will not redeem your ETF shares in physical bullion. You get it in some fiat currency.
0: You know, Mickey, again, thank you for that clarification. I know a lot of investors are most appreciative of you sharing that. We've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, In closing, Mickey, what did I forget to ask?
1: Well, I don't think you forgot to ask anything. You know, you sent me a a few questions to kind of spur my thoughts and I think we've just about covered everything there, Maurice, and uh, thank you for your time on that.
0: Well, thank you again, and before we leave, uh, if an investor wants to get more information uh, regarding the mercenary geologist, what is the best way to contact you?
1: I can be reached at contact at mercenarygeologist.com, I can also be reached through my Twitter feed at Mercenary Geo, we are very rapidly approaching fifty-five thousand Twitter followers. And once again, uh, we, this interview will be up at Mercenary, or uh, excuse me, Mercenary Geologist uh,
0: in our rotation there. Mickey Fope, the Mercenary Geologist. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable.
1: Thanks a lot, Maurice. My pleasure.
0: All the best to you, sir.